This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Hey, would you open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. Uh, I don't know everybody here, but my name is Darren, one of the pastors, and just super excited. There are so many great churches in Nashville, so anytime anybody comes and hangs out with us on a Sunday, we're just grateful for it, so thank you uh, for doing that. Um, In 1 Corinthians 12 is where we have spent the last uh, couple weeks here. Uh, While you're finding that, I do have a question for you. How many uh, of you have broken a toe before, just out of curiosity? Okay, I don't know what this means, but third, se- third service, the per capita broken toe population is probably the highest. Like first service, nobody broke, like two people broke their toe. Although in second service, one had a bro- currently a broken toe, so I guess that counted for something. But y'all, that was a high percentage. Um, I, I have, I, I kicked my brother when I was uh, 10. Um, it, we were we're just dumb kids, but so I, he had made me angry, and so I was kicking him in um, the ab. Let's say the abdomen is what I was aiming because I was aiming for the abdomen. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's children in here, and and as I mean, it was totally his right to defend himself, and so he raises up his leg to block the kick, and I was barefoot, and um, it uh, the, it made a sound. Do you know what I'm saying? Like. It's, it's not quite as extreme as a dry twig breaking, but it wasn't far from that. Like, it definitely made a sound, and it dropped me to the ground. And I learned very quickly that, turns out your toes are an important part of uh, getting up in the morning. Like, very important. Um, I also, I, I turned um, a half of a century old this week, and yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> at this age, we don't... Uh, I, maybe this is not you. We don't necessarily celebrate birthdays as much as we observe them. Do you know what I mean? It's like Memorial Day. Like, I, I mean, I don't get them. You don't get the mail that day. Like, I may not go to work, but it's not like we're going to do a big thing, you know? So it was, I, I, I turned 50, and the thing about turning 50 that I was previously unaware with is that I, I still feel like I'm 25, but with a lot of things really wrong. Like, my feet, the bottom of my feet when I get up in the morning, and by the way, you can actually, I'm just going to save you the emails because I got a bunch of them from Second Service, so I got plenty of stuff to try on what's wrong with my feet. Um, <laughs> I mean, I got plenty of options to go. Uh, and there were a couple of oil people. Anyway, they were saying, <laughs> put some oil on that. <laughs> Look, at this point, I honestly would try anything. Uh, but, but my feet don't work as good as they used to. Like, like, I get up in the morning right now, and it feels like, I'm walking on pins and needles, and apparently it's a plantar fascial fasciitis. Yeah. Okay, so everybody in the world knew about that but me. <laughs> I felt like they should have included that in the AARP card that I got. <laughs> that actually made me angry. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, come on, guys. 
give me a break. So anyway, but my feet became, I'm realizing suddenly that my feet are incredibly important to the way that I live and breathe and move. Uh, and that's what Paul is, this idea that Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 12 is that every part of the body is important, including, and he specifically mentions the feet. That didn't mean hardly anything to me at 25. At 50, I get it. That's, Paul was probably 50. That's why he's talking about the feet because he probably had some of that plantar, what do we call it? Fasciitis of his own. So he knew about that. I did not know about that. The feet are important. He's basically saying that in this world, like in the Holy Spirit in us, that we're all these different parts of this body we've talked about, and that every part is important. He says it specifically in context with the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 7, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it, and you could maybe go there later if you want. But he, 1, 7, and 8, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so that you will have power. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you so that you will have power, right, to be my witnesses. Here's something that is helpful to know. I used to think that meant that I was going to get the power in that moment when I needed to pray, that moment if I needed to rebuke or whatever. The, the, the power would come on me at that moment to do something very specific to be bold for Jesus. That is certainly an element of it. But he says, I'll give you power, you plural. So when I say you, I'm talking about the whole church here together, will receive power to become my witnesses, plural, together. The church is a team sport. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom. And I truly believe that part of the power of the Holy Spirit coming on us to give us power to be his witnesses is every bit as much about the power for us to get together in a church in unity together as it is doing what we're supposed to do in unity outside of the church together. I mean, he knew that's what was going to happen. They're going to send this group back to Jerusalem. They're going to be persecuted. They're going to be tortured. They're going to need each other. But what have we learned if we've learned nothing in 2020? People disagree with things. <laughs> the, the most, I can say the most common sense thing that I think is literally just common sense, and it is uh, eviscerated online. And it's probably happened to you, and it's probably happened to us. But you get a group of people in one room together, living in close quarters, there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be jockeying, right? There's going to be, this one's more important now. There's going to be, and the power of the Holy Spirit is just as much about keeping us together so that we can then go and accomplish the mission as it is about the mission itself on the other side. Because we desperately need the Holy Spirit more than we've ever needed it, I think. And in fairness, we've always needed it. I'm just realizing that the wool of our security has been pulled out from underneath of us. So when we come together with a body of believers, knowing that the Holy Spirit is now not just some idea, some ethereal thing, but actually a personalized God inside of us connecting with each other, it gives us the power to push through for unity. I put it a little differently. We talked in Romans 12 that uh, those gifts are held together. That body metaphor is about like the blood. Remember we talked about that? It's the blood that flows through each of that. That connects my pinky to my sternum, right? The blood flows through it all. But in 1 Corinthians 12, this is more like the nervous system that tells us what we're supposed to do. We need to have the Holy Spirit to help lead us and tell us what to do as a body.
And when you start reading this list of these gifts with that in mind, they all of a sudden start making a lot more sense. Gift of discernment, gift of wisdom. You need discernment, we need wisdom. These gifts make sense in that context way more than if I just start narrowing them out and then trying to pick apart which one is which as opposed to saying, hey, we're all in this together and we all need each other maybe more than we've ever needed each other before and what we're gonna need is the Holy Spirit to help us. I believe this is God's word, okay? If you're part of Conduit, you know that. If you're new, this is, we would say this is not just some academic exercise. This is God's word communicated to us in its completion, okay? And there are going to be moments in life where we're going to have to make a decision that I can't give a chapter and verse for it. I have to trust the Holy Spirit. When we reopened in June, I could not open to the book of Proverbs and say, Proverbs 18.23 says, reopen your church in June in the middle of a pandemic. I didn't have a chapter and verse for that. So we sought wisdom. We sought the Holy Spirit. People uh, in our leadership team, we prayed and we sought wisdom and we listened to it and, and we felt that the Holy Spirit led us for our church family. I'm not saying every other church did it wrong. This is what he called us to do. And it was scary. But in the last nine months, 85 families have gone free from slavery. Hundreds of thousands of people have eaten in the mountains of the Himalayas and in bush of Africa. 75% of the revenues that came for that came from our in-person gatherings on Sundays. That was the Holy Spirit leading us to do that. Was it without risk? Of course not. You risked it this morning. Some of you probably backed into somebody already or took out a stop sign. It's icy. It was a risky thing. It's risky. I get it. But we felt that the risk of this was way less risky than allowing these families. Could we have done it online? Sure. But we've, no, I've done this 10 years. I'm telling you that people, we don't respond well online to these types of things. That's why it says, come together, Hebrews 10, 24, inspire one another to do good, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as you see the day of the Lord approaching. There's something miraculous that happens in a gathering, and that's what we need the Holy Spirit to tell us for. In this passage, he begins to talk about these gifts and he begins to use this metaphor of a body. In fact, if you go to verse 14, I want to show you this. Because in these gifts, because what I want to show you is this isn't just ethereal. There's actually very practical ways that this stuff plays out. That when he says here in verse 14 that these gifts are not a matter of competing with each other, they are a matter of completing each other. It's not a competing. It's not, I have to operate in all of them. I don't, it's, I need you and you need me, and together that's why we're the body. But he says in verse 14 even, so the body is made up of not one part, but many. Now if the foot should say, back to the foot, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Some of you all that had the Rona this year, I, when I had it, I couldn't smell anything. Did anybody go through that? Wasn't that a weird thing? I got a cup of coffee in front of me. And it's like I'm just drinking brown water. Like it doesn't taste like smell. Smell's apparently a part of the olfactory sense is an important part. 
Verse 18, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted to be. If there were all one part, where would the body be? We need each gift to be operating in here. And here's the very practical side of that. Some of you maybe have the gift of teaching from Romans 12. Some of you might have a, uh, operate, manifest the gift of discerning of spirits from 1 Corinthians 12. Some of you might have a prophetic thing or whatever. But your temptation might be to say, because this is how Darren is, then I don't like this church. I'm going to go someplace else because I want to be a place where the person on stage or the person in the worship band or whatever is like me. And what I'm saying is, you better be glad that I'm not like you because I need people like you in the mix. We need each other in it. A lot of what is passed right now as, uh, especially on, in the online environment of, of calling out leaders is literally an airing of the church's dirty... I'm not saying in everything... I have to be careful because people will hear what I didn't say. There are, there are certain times when it's being called out and what they're really saying is that woman or that man leads very strong, very forcefully, very passionately, and then it quickly gets turned into that spiritual abuse. And in reality, he's just leading different than you would lead because of a spiritual gift. If you are in or have been in a spiritually abusive situation, you understand that I understand boundaries and I'm not saying that this is a, a wide sweeping statement. But I can tell you with some degree of certainty that a lot of what's being happened right now in the call out culture as it's being attached to the church is a, I'm taking my toys and going home as opposed to, I called it an Elijah complex. Has anybody ever called, uh, had yourselves an Elijah complex? There's nobody holy but me, so I'm going home. I'm gonna go home and do my own thing now. Here's why a spiritual gift here is important, and I'll tell you one story that happened recently, and I did not ask for permission, so I'm not gonna say names. Uh, there's a, a member of our church family who has a gift of discerning of spirits, okay? What, what discerning of spirits. James chapter one says that there was wisdom from angels and wisdom from demons. There is no middle ground. You don't get a little bit of either. There's no third option. And there are people out there that are believers, that are followers of Jesus, okay? That they're following the Lord, but maybe you've attached to or joined alongside a specific voice or a specific stream of something that is not a wisdom from God, but wisdom from demons. And how do you, how many of you know that there are a lot of things out there that look a lot like Jesus that are not Jesus? There's an article just this week in the New Yorker from uh, Glennon Doyle, and I'm sorry if anybody... Uh, is a giant fan of hers right now, but when she mentions in this article that her version of Jesus would be a black trans woman, that, that's creating a different version of Jesus. That's not, that one feels, most of you in this room, by the way, you, you winced, you okay, that feels obvious to me, but that's not obvious to everybody. And this person in the church here approached, uh, we approached them, we talked a little bit, and she said that, Darren, there's this thing that you do when you're on, uh, on Twitter that you are aligning yourself with voices that are not God voices. Good, maybe positive, but not God. It's a different... And what she was doing was giving me a gift of discerning of spirits that allowed me to look at myself and say, she's actually right. 
That is not. And so I had a chance to repent and say, God, I'm sorry, I did not see that. That I thought I was doing something right, but I looked at it and it wasn't. And it was, I can tell you with all my heart, it was a discerning of spirits gift to me. And that was a gift, not a punishment. It wasn't a competition against me. It was a completion of me. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but I've only, I mean, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. Okay? I can only be an expert on so many things. <laughs> you like that, Ernie? Ernie, how long were you a pastor? <laughs> yeah. You got to be an expert on everything, right? Man, the greatest gift I ever gave myself was giving up on that. Retiring as Holy Ghost Jr. <laughs> and just admitting, you know what, guys? I don't have an opinion on that. Because right now what I'm being, I mean, it happens all the time, time online. What do you have to say about this? What do you have to say about that? For years, I would have something to say about it, whether I did or not. <laughs> and I'm learning now that I don't have to have something to say about everything. I'm not meant to have everything to say about everything. And what I need is the power of the Holy Spirit and someone to take a gift and to give it to me and say, hey, but this one that you keep running your mouth about, maybe back off. And by the way, there's a way to do it in love, okay? I've gotten the emails that are not in love. I've gotten the email. I've gotten a lot of those, actually. I've gotten the emails where it's not like I'm trying to help. <laughs> but when it's a, an approach of like that, and I've, over the, in 10 years now, I'm telling you, I've had it happen multiple times where someone has spoken to my life, and I receive it, and it makes, what does this say that the power of these gifts are? For the common good of the church. This church is better because we have spiritual gifts operating in here. And I want you to hear me say, your gift is welcome in this church. I would love nothing more if in a, a year from now that we have these little conduit meetups all over, whatever, and it's just like one, you know, it's 1 Corinthians 14, one person brings a word, one person brings a song, one person brings a prayer, whatever. Like, you can't necessarily do that when you're scramming through three services on a Sunday morning. But you can do that sitting in someone's living room on a Tuesday night. Maybe that's what the Lord would have for us. I know this. There's a pastor sitting in jail right now in Edmonton, Alberta, because they've continued to meet. We don't know how long that's going to be in our country. Wouldn't it be great if our church was ready for it? What if we could just skate to the puck? We're like, well, we're already doing that. We didn't have to change much of anything. I would love that. We'll see how the Spirit leads. Maybe someone with a gift here will tell me what we're going to do. But... Point is, <laughs> these gifts are not about punishing you. These gifts are not about uh, d destroying you. It's literally a gift, and that gift comes from the person to you, to everyone around it, and that's the gift, and I've received it over and over and over again in our church family. The other thing that it does, not only does it show me that it, you complete, we complete, whatever, it actually gives us then compassion for each other, which is down in verse twenty. 1 and 22, he talks about the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. In other words, I'm looking at you and I'm so angry and frustrated because the way that you're leading, that instead of me going out and tweeting about it, I can get on my knees and start praying about it because I'm having compassion towards you now. Just because I say that you're not a part doesn't mean you're not a part of the body of Christ. Just because I say I'm not a part doesn't mean I'm not part of the body of Christ. We're all part of the body of Christ and the compassion that that gives me for each other. Because down in verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers. When I kicked my brother in the knee, am I, am I telling me that sound? 
Okay? I was on the floor in a fetal position. My whole body felt it. And then my butt felt it after my dad whipped me because... Because what were you doing fighting in the kitchen for? Dad, I already broke my toe. <laughs> Point being, <laughs> the whole body's suffering with it. So if someone is misbehaving or someone is, instead of us raging against them, we can pray for them out of compassion for them. They're part of the body of Christ. It's not my job to get to decide who the wheats and the tares are. In fact, Jesus warned specifically against it. Sometimes sheep bite. Uh, we used to have sheep. I'm telling you, that actually can't happen. Little suckers will take a little chunk right out of your rear end when you're not looking. They, the sheep will bite, but you don't butcher them on the spot. Although, we some, had some temptations to do that. <laughs> Point is, we don't cast them away. We can have compassion on them and pray for healing in them. Do you notice, by the way, when it says in, that, in the list of gifts, when it gets to the gifts of healing, notice this, the, the nine gifts right there in, in 1 Corinthians 12. None of them have the word gift in front of them except for healing. It's a word of knowledge, it's a word of prophecy, it's wisdom. But it gets to healing and it says gifts, plural, of healing. Here's what I think that means. Nobody has the gift of healing. If they're in town, down at the arena, save yourself the money and stay home. <laughs> Gifts of healing. When Jesus went to the pool of Siloam, surrounded by sick people, for those of you that were in Israel with us, we stood at the pool of Siloam. One person was healed that day. There was one gift of healing that day. Just a few months, a few weeks maybe, after I broke my toe, a a lady evangelist came and spoke at the little church I was in in Nebraska. So I, I know lady evangelist, you can already get your theology uh, underwear up in a bunch, but, but, but she was there and she laid hands on me and then I, um, I, I faked the fall. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Fake the fall? Anybody gets, you know what I'm talking about, slain in the spirit? I know if you're Baptist, you know what I'm talking about. Tim, you guys AG, you know what I'm talking about. Of course, Watkins, you know. <laughs> I straight up faked the fall, just did. Because everybody was falling, I was, I was 10, whatever, I didn't know, it was a fall. And then of course there's that moment of how long do I stay here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, how long is long enough? <laughs> yeah, it's an awkward question. My toe was healed, I promise you, as sure as I'm sitting here today. I walked in on crutches and I walked out with a toe that I could bend and there was no green left in it. It was, do you see how God can move even in my kookiness? How God is so much bigger than me getting it right sometimes. <laughs> there was a gift of healing that was given to me that day and years later when I was struggling with my faith and wondering whether God was real or not, there was a moment where I remembered, and so stupid, my toe he healed my big toe, and it saved my faith. It was a gift of healing. Just a few weeks ago, Bryson Forrest stood up on the stage and shared a story of a gift of healing that she received. 
And out of you guys are here for third service, remember what happened. Everybody just plowed for the altar and we didn't even do a sermon that day. It was just the Lord dropped. The gift of healing was a gift for her and it was gifts because it gave to all of us from that story. 100% government certified, USDA approved, inarguable healing that Bryson Forrest had on that day. And it was a gift for all of us because it was a gift of compassion to each of us and the faith that we need to carry on with that. And this other thing that I see in here is that it also shows us that not only does it complete us, not only giving compassion with each other, but there's this idea that it means that we now know that we're all compatible with each other. These last few verses, he says this in verse 27. You're the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. Everybody here, if you're in Jesus, you're a part of this body of Christ. God is placed in this church, and he starts listing apostles, prophets, teachers. But notice, he literally takes the three lists, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, right, and Romans 12, and lists a little bit from each list in this one passage. Remember, we started this series, the, the triple threat was there are these three separate lists with three separate purposes, and each of them have a, a member of the Trinity assigned to them. We go back to the first tape. But he actually starts to bring them all together here and to show that that's all now part of the body and that do all work miracles? No. And I want you to know that's not something that I have experienced in my life much, ever actually. But it doesn't mean I don't believe in it or that we don't see it. I've, to my knowledge, never had a, a word of knowledge. But when Marc Bourgeois says that he has something he really thinks the Lord is saying, and he says it on a Sunday morning and someone gets healed of diabetes that day, Mark is not my competition. Mark is the gift that day. And it takes so much pressure off of a pastor, of a leader, to just say, I'm not supposed to have all of this. Stay in my lane. In the, in the words of my great poet, the father, my Father, the poet, know your role and shut your hole. Just, just stay <laughs> in, in your lane. <laughs> he meant it differently than I do, but it was the idea that I, if I just stay in my lane, I don't have to manufacture something just to impress you. I'm going to say this and then we're going to be done here. Because when I ask, go through all of this and we, we talk about these gifts and we've been talking for a while, one of the first things you're going to wonder is, well, how do I know what my gift is? And some of you are still wondering. Some of you have taken the test to try to figure out the Romans 12 gift or some of you are looking at 1 Corinthians 12 and wondering, can I help you a little bit here today? Can I, can I give you a little gift in this? If you are looking down to try to discover your gift, you're looking in the wrong place. That's called navel-gazing. And one of the challenges, whether it's Myers-Briggs, whether it's DISC, whether it's Enneagram, the challenge is it causes me to look inside myself to find this thing, and that's not where I'm going to find it. Because he ends this passage with verse 32. In fact, you know that the, the, uh, the verses in the chapters are not inspired, right? It's the words are inspired, but some helpful somebody decided where the chapters and the verses go. And so this helpful person was not helpful by breaking it mid-sentence after 32, when he says, desire the greater gifts in 32, break in the sentence, but I'm going to show you a more excellent way. Okay, desire these gifts, 100%. Desire them. And here's the more excellent way 
1 Corinthians 13, this, the thought just continues. It was about love. See, some of us think once I know my gift, then I'll go find a need and deliver the gift. That is not what he's saying. Where is your heart beating for? Go there and the gift will appear. There's a saying that Frederick Buchner, Buckner, depending, I guess it's Buckner and Buckner, the center of the universe down in Spring Hill. Frederick Buchner said that whenever you find tears in your eyes, especially unexpected tears, it's well to pay the closest attention. They're not only telling you something about the secret of who you are, but more often than not, God is speaking to you through them, the mystery of where you have come from, and is summoning you to where if your soul is to be saved, you should go next. Do you have a heart for the unborn? All of us should have a role in that, but some of you have a heart for it. All of us should take, we've got those baby bottles in the back, we wanna bury the Middle Tennessee Pregnancy Center in money yet again this year. Take those baby bottles home, fill them with coins. You don't have to have that passion, but some of you have a passion. Lynn Simpson has that passion. And when she followed her passion to where the Lord had broken her heart because of her own experience, the story of where she was, the story of where she was going, the gift appeared. Do you have a heart for kids in Haiti? I do. I, I, I do. That's why I'm going to go there this week. Ian has a heart for what's going on in India. What? Well, well, Spiritual gifts are not going to be found looking inside. They're going to be found when you're looking outside because the greatest way is love. He goes on to say, you could literally lay down your life as a martyr, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. And the reason is, you lay down your life for somebody, but it wasn't out of love, and then they didn't thank you for it, you're angry at them. But that wasn't about them, that was about you. That wasn't a, it was a transaction, it wasn't a gift. And these are not the transactions of the Spirit, these are the gifts of the Spirit. So when you go in love, whether you're feeding the poor, whether you're speaking in tongues of angels, if I'm doing it out of love, then it doesn't matter the response that I get because it was never about them to begin with. It was about the agape love, which is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. Love is... That's the more excellent way. Don't start with staring and, okay, well, maybe that's a word of knowledge or maybe this is a that or maybe this is a... Man, just get on your knees and pray, God, where do I go next? Take this week as you're driving. You see something that causes you unexpectedly to tear up a little bit. Stop and listen. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you in that moment? Because he's probably nudging you in a specific direction. If you're looking around our church family and saying... Man, I sure wish they had do were doing this better. Chances are I do too. <laughs> I 
but we are not going to burn our staff into the ground trying to make everybody happy when we know that some of us in this room and the rooms before that God's given you a gift to do something, we're just waiting for you to show up and do it. That's a more excellent way, isn't it? Let's pray, stand to your feet. Heavenly Father, I pray this week that you would put unexpected tears in our eyes, that we would listen for them. We would hear your voice, Lord. You are not an impersonal God that is somewhere far away. You are a right here, right now, embodying each of us, Holy Spirit connection to heaven. Oh, and I'm so thankful, Lord. We're not here just for some academic exercise. We're here for your spirit on earth. I'm so thankful I get to serve a church that discerns the body properly. I, I, we're, I'm literally, I'm surrounded by people right now that I know are full of the Holy Spirit, delivering the gifts that you've given for them. And I pray that each and every one of us will increase and increase and increase as you said in Hebrews 10.25, as we see the day approaching. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.